0: starting this new series, and after praying and realizing what's going on in our world, I feel this is very important that we have this discussion over the summer, and uh, as we always say, if you miss out on a message and you want to, uh, you can always go online, we're on YouTube, did you know that we're on YouTube? Uh, We're also on the website, we'll make all the connections for you, if there's a message you want to pick up, uh, so that you can kind of follow through the summer. Uh, of course, there's vacationing and ministry opportunities that I'll be doing, so, you know, it won't be one Sunday after the next, so you're going to be challenged to kind of stay in focus with this. And so, but I feel it's the right time to do this. And so we're looking at today that question, who am I? And uh, I wonder if you've ever asked that question, who am I? These are deep questions, right? Uh, maybe you've heard this story before. A young boy who was given an assignment in his elementary art class, and he was asked to draw a picture of something that was really, really important to him. He thought about all the things he valued, and then the idea came to him to what was most important and valuable. And throughout the class, he took the whole day, and he was working away at it. And and so all of a sudden, his teacher came up, his art teacher came up to him, and said, "Billy." What are you drawing? Now, some of you that are art skills, teacher probably would say the same thing. But Billy looked at his teacher with a big smile and with a great sense of joy in his voice, declared, I'm drawing a picture of God. Well, the art teacher looked at him and was quite surprised because she said, But Billy, no one knows what God looks like. Billy looked up at his teacher and said, they will now. (laughs) On your handout today, there's a question there at the beginning. And I'm saying to you, would you list 10 of your strengths? Now some of you might not have pens and pencils with you, but I'm challenging you right now to think about 10 of your strengths. 10, not one. Put down ten of your strengths. The heads are shaking. Everyone's looking at each other. You know what? That's a setup. Because the reality is when we meet with couples with marriage preparation, when I've done ladies' retreats and different things, and I'll ask them about their ten strengths, you know what they can tell me? Their ten faults. But they don't do so well telling you their ten strengths. I think we should be able to articulate who we are and, and come to a place where we can accept our faults, but also celebrate how God has created us and knowing our strengths. And that's why that's kind of a set-up question there. How do I see myself? How does God see? What does God think of me? Those are important questions that we're going to be thinking over the summer. And so we're starting this service And the series asking, who am I? I hope you know who you are. And so the second question there on your sheet today says, list off three of the lines that best apply to you. My opinion of myself is especially influenced by, now look at these as I read them off, what others think of me, my grade average, what I look like in the mirror, my talents and my abilities, what my family says about me and to me, my attitude, the clothes I wear, and whose name is on it, (laughs) the way I dress, my weaknesses, is that how you see yourself, my physical strength, my sports achievements, how well I play golf. Uh-huh, huh, Huh. saw that. My physical strength, and sports achievements, uh, the friends—whether maybe beliefs win or not, wasn't we'll the friends I hang out with, my intelligence, my family's reputation. We're in small, <laughs> we're in a small town, and your family name can mean something that could be good or bad. What God says about me, and maybe it's other. You know, it's important to be able to realize that all of these things have influenced, or other things have influenced how we see ourselves. And so that's what we're trying to work on in these weeks together. You know, we're looking at, there's so much confusion in our day about what? Identity. So much confusion in our day about self-identity. There's a lot of talk, I hear a lot of talk in the bakery, I hear a lot of talk in other places where people are trying to make sense of what is this all lately about identity. Well, we need to know our identity in God Amen. as the church, if we're ever going to come alongside people and minister to them and have the answers that they're looking for. So an identity crisis, which we see in our world all around us, is a period of uncertainty and confusion in a person's life. This crisis of identity becomes, uh, where a person becomes insecure and unstable, and, you know, some of them is when the matriarch or the patriarch of the family passes. Uh, For others, they say that teenagers, by the way, graduating teenagers, and teenagers as a whole, are some of the ones that suffer the most under identity crisis. Usually, it's a change. Usually, it's a challenge. Usually, it's a life crisis, and then all of a sudden, it puts that person into an identity crisis, and they don't know who they are. And they go searching, unfortunately, down some wrong roads, Many do, searching for who they are. And so we want to spend time looking at God's Word, knowing what our self-identity is. This is our source. This is where we go. We don't go to social media. We don't go to popular thought. We don't go to psychologists and psychiatrists and we go for help if you need to. But that's not where we go to find our identity. We go to the Word of God. That's where we go. So today, we are looking at we are made in the image of God. Look to somebody and say to them, you are made in the image of God. Oh, you sound like such a thrilled group. God help us. I'm up here after a very, very long and busy week. Doing what I can here. People, come on! Look at them and say, "You are made in the image of God." You are made. <laughs> okay, now we're doing that. And so Dave wrote our, read our passage of scripture for us, Genesis 26 to twenty-eight. Then God said, "Look at the Trinity here. This is amazing." When we go back back to the beginning of the book, let us. Make man in our image according to our likeness. There's the plurality. Right from the beginning of our time and creation, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are there creating us. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Listen, what does it say? Male and female. He created them, and then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish, over the sea. Isn't that awesome, fish of the sea? Look at that We're are fishermen. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so we see that scripture, that we go right back to the beginning. And so a term in theology, this makes you feel really important, because you can say it in Latin, Omega Dei, Omega. Omega. Omega Dei all it means is image of God. And so that's something that we use a lot in theology, and that, you know, this Omega Dei, we are made in God's image. And so this is that supernatural expression associated uniquely to humans. Which signifies that there's unique connectedness with us and God. We have a unique relationship with God, different than all the rest of the created order. Our relationship with God is different than that of the angels. The angels are subservient to God. If they're not, then they become what? A demon. They're cast out. We have a unique... That's why I've got to sing this little sidebar. Your loved one does not die and become an angel. How many times at funerals have I heard God's? That. that is a lot. <laughs> we never become angels. We become, uh, you know, we can move from this world into God's world, right? And, and we are changed and transformed, and our spirit goes to be with the Lord. Until that trump shall sound, and hallelujah, I was reading uh, 1 Corinthians 15 today, and the resurrection that's coming. That's an exciting chapter to read that Paul says to the church there in Corinth. And we're going to have a glorious body, a new body, a glorious one, and we're going to enter and our spirit and our body will come together and we're going to enter into the kingdom with our Lord. And He's the first fruit of it. That's why we celebrate the resurrection. Amen. That's a whole different ball of Right? It's exciting when you think about that. But we're not going to become angels. Angels are different heavenly beings. And so we, we have been made in god's image we are the ones who have been made in god's image so we have this connectedness with god and so there's this human capacity in our human capacity, we have the ability. See, the church fathers over the years have argued about this. What, what does this mean? We really don't know. No one can say it for sure. What does this mean to be made in the image of God? So the church fathers have said, well, it's about your reason and the fact that you can reason things. Others have said, well, it's because you have free choice and free will. Others have said, well, it, it means that you can have a relationship with God, which we know through Jesus Christ. Others say, well, God is creative, and therefore it's your creativity. Right? Ethical conduct. You are morally responsible. That's what it means to be made in the image of God. And so we're part of this created order, but we're unlike anything else in creation. We have been made in God's image. Therefore, we are moral individuals, spiritual individuals, and intellectual individuals. Beings. In other words, if God has given you a brain, use it. Right? Moral, spiritual, and intellectual. And so the Bible, we we would never have enough time in one service to talk about what this means. When when the church has talked about it for 2,000 years. But three things I want us to look at today and try to get across the emphasis of this is image as potential, Image as occupation and image as destiny, according to our passage of scripture in Genesis. And so, first of all, today, image as potential. Humans are created the same day as the animals. But what distinguishes us from the animals is we are being made in God's image. So, what's the difference between us and animals? relationship. It is that relationship that we can have with God that makes us different. Now, I've had a lot of people say, will animals make it to heaven? I have no idea. I have no idea. That's that's, that's the Lord's decision how that happens. And I think a lot of people who have their pets, and love their pets, would love to think that they're going to be in heaven with them. I have no idea. Not even going there. But, I know that we as humans, it's clearly here, have been made to have a relationship with God. And so we are different in the animals in that way. Got very quiet here all of a sudden. See, most prominent in Genesis 1 is this relational capacity. See, if you don't get this, you don't understand why Christ came. You don't understand the fall. You don't understand sin if you don't get this down. This is why we've gone way back to Genesis 1 to start. We are made in the image of God. And so as we look at that, the interesting thing is that passage that uh, Dave read for us, what did Jesus, what was Jesus said as response? What's the most important thing? What's the most important thing in all of the law? What's the most important thing through the whole Old Testament? Christ comes, he puts it what does he say? He says, love with God and love your neighbor. Relationship. Somebody wisely said, the only thing you take with you when you leave this world is what? Relationships. Think about it. We can't take anything with us, but what we can take with us is our relationship with God through Jesus Christ and our relationship with others. That someday, hallelujah, if they are also in Christ, we're going to spend eternity with them. Now, if you think eternity is on in one corner and they're far off in another corner, you got it wrong. We're going to spend eternity together. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a relationship. And our desire is to love on people and to tell them the truth that they too can have a relationship with God and be there with us. That's why we're still here. That's why the Lord hasn't returned yet. That's why he hasn't called you home yet. That's why Ruby hasn't been called home yet. Because God has another plan. He wants us to share The good news with others, and to pray that they too might have a relationship with God. And so that is why we there's this potential that we can have this relationship. We have this ability to reason, relate, and because we can reason and relate, we are morally responsible before God. Now, what happens to our value as humans? when we believe that we are the same as the created order. That we're just a bunch of molecules bumping around. That when we die, we just become good compost. That's what it's all about. And you know, there's actually places now that when you're buried, you can be laid to rest with no coffin and they'll plant a tree on top of your body so that you become compost. And so you keep living on in the fact that you give life to a tree. There are places. I mean, there, there are. There's, there's, there's graveyards that are doing this. What happens when we narrow everything down and we see ourselves the same as everything else that God has created? We're, we're just a part uh, of creation. Well, you know, my friends, what I've seen when you take the logic of that all the way down, there's no hope. That's right. Because once you're dead, you're dead. That's the lie of the enemy. Yeah. There's no hope. It becomes very fatalistic. Oh, that's just those animal tendencies there. I'm just rude and obnoxious and angry and put your head off. Oh, that's just the animal in me. Oh, good old Mother Nature, right? now. Yeah. See, this is where we have to be very, very careful. This is why we have to understand what it means for us to be made in the image of God. So it's your place in God's created order today that gives you value, worth, and a hope. See, if God says, if God, you know, if God is awesome and holy and amazing, and, and we look at our God and we're like, wow, and then he says, Okay, I'm making you in my image, what would that do for humanity? It means we also have worked before God. We also are to be valued. And so I don't know how you were raised. I don't know what kind of things have been spoken into your life. I don't know. I know I had a family that told me that they loved me, but somehow I felt as a teenager I was unlovable. I had no gifts. I had no talents. I had no purpose to the point where I tried to take my life twice as a a teenager. And so in the midst of that, is this this idea that I have no value, I have no worth. And this is so important for us to realize that our identity is found in God's word, that I was created in God's image, you have been created in God's image, and we all have value and worth before God. I believe our teenagers need to hear that. You are of worth, you are of great value, and the enemy will come and try to steal that from you and destroy you if you don't know it. And so we see that there's this potential and that we have great value. we see that we also have an occupation. As full and equal partners, Adam and Eve were responsible to tend the garden, to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, to subdue the earth and rule over the creatures. In other words, together they were given stewardship of the earth, because they were equals. We're not to destroy the earth, God's creation, we are to care for it. That is part of our responsibility of what we were created for. Now, the ancient world had idols. They had gods everywhere. They would make idols And and they would create that idol to make it look like the gods, the characteristic of that god. And and so they would look at that god that they made and they would be remembered that this god is, is strong, or this god's the warrior, or this god is faithful. And they would look at these gods that they formed with their hands, and we've seen that idol worship. And even still today, there are those who do a lot of idol worshiping. And so we see that as part of the ancient world. But God said, what did God say about idols? God called idolatry what? Sin. Sin. We know right back at Ten Commandments, right in the book of Exodus. The first thing he says do not make any graven an image of me, do not make any idols of me. And so we realize that God hates right, that idol worship. He finds it ridiculous and offensive. They're lifeless. They're a piece of stone. They're a piece of wood. But making images of God is wrong. Why? Because He's already created something in His image. Who? You and me. We're to display God, we're to display His glory. We've been created in His image. And therefore, even look at the New Testament. What are we? We are a temple. Of the Holy Spirit. That's what God's word says. We are God's image bearers. And we display the glory of God. And that's why it's wrong in any way that somebody would bow down to a piece of wood or a stone. That God says, you are my image bearers. This is what you've been called to do. This is your calling. This is what you're supposed to be doing. Is bearing my image out in a fallen and broken world. It's you and me. It was interesting. I brought John Wesley's bust here <clears throat> on the table, as we've seen it. I don't worship John Wesley. Praise the Lord. He was a great man. Somebody, I don't even know where we got that bust. Somewhere in Europe. A right late pastor last oh, yeah. Christmas. Oh, a pastor that passed away. Gave us, yeah, we got that. Okay. And so it's in my office. I look at it. Now, what's the point of that? Is that John Wesley? Come mm. oh. John Wesley passed away many, many years ago. But that bust has been done in his likeness so I can know what John Wesley looked like. Get the picture? You've been made in the image of God. That when people want to know what God looks like, they can look to you. You're supposed to be displaying what God looks like, especially us who call ourselves... By his name, Christians. This is a picture. is interesting. Have you ever been? Anybody been in the Alamo? I'm the only one. Oh, a few there. Yeah. And so it's quite an interesting. I love the story of the Alamo and, and how they how they fought for Texas, right? And so there's this uh, John. I gotta get the name right. I gotta make sure I get that right. John uh, Butler, James Butler Bonham, and the story is a lot about him. How he fought and how he held the ground for Texas. And so quite a story. Do you know that there's no picture of him that exists? So nobody has a picture of this gentleman. But he did such a historical thing for Texas, so what did they do at the Alamo? The Alamo put up the picture of his nephew. And so this is his nephew, and they said, you know, that this nephew resembled him quite a bit. <laughs> so we're wanting to, it's not him. But if you're wanting to see what he looked like, uh, here's a picture of the deafening. And so, my friends, we are the people who display God's likeness. And that's what we're called to do. We are to be, as someone said, that graphic novel. We are to be that person who displays the glory of God. I want you to hear this scripture. I think it's a very, very good scripture. Humans are called to express God's rule and management of the world. Verse 28 God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful. Be fruitful. And increase in number. That's what we were called to do. Fill the earth and what? Subdue it. Rule over it. The fish of the sea, the birds of the sky and over every living creature. We have a job to do, we have a calling to do, we yeah. have a role, an occupation to do for God. So we see potential, occupation, and now we see destiny. destiny. you still with me? Yeah. Well, you are. Humans differ from other creatures because of their free choice. They differ because of their free capability of making decisions. And that freedom which we have been given as a gift can be abused and marred. And as we see, as we see in a bit there in Genesis 1, the fall of Adam and Eve, we're given this choice, this freedom, and they abused it. And that's one of the sad things that happens in the fact that we've been made in the image of God. We have freedom of choice. And because we do, we can do the wrong thing. We can deny God. We can deny the fact that we're made in His image. We can deny that He is indeed our God. And so the ability and desire to love oneself and others and therefore God is also a gift from God. But it can also be neglected and opposed, striving to bring about the Omega day in people's lives had become a quest for us of wholeness but for others it is undone this. I don't want to hear it. I am going to believe something else. And the greatest step that God took in telling us about himself was he sent himself Jesus Christ in the flesh, the image of God. He showed us in Christ what that image is really supposed to look like. Remember, he was fully God but what else was he? Fully man, fully human. Going back, talking about the resurrection, talking about the ascension. We've been trying to get this through now for years. Christ is not at the right hand of the Father in spirit. How is he at the right hand of the Father? He's at the right hand of the Father in body. Humanity redeemed. The image of God restored. The sin and curse Broken. That's why he wore the crown of thorns, the curse on Adam and Eve, right from the beginning in the garden in the fall, Christ wore it victorious on his head, to say the curse, once and for all, has been paid for and done. And so now, in the full image of humanity, he is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you, interceding for me, and waiting for that glorious day when the trump shall sound. If you can wrap your mind around some of this stuff, it'll be wow. Wow. Because you'll begin to see it from the beginning right through the book of Revelation, what it's all about. Isn't it interesting here? Listen to the word here. You'll get this now. You've heard this scripture before. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. That's what Jesus has done. That's who he is. He is the very image of God. And so we see that this image of God is important to us. It's foundational to who we are. This is our destiny, to be a part of this plan of God, to have our image restored and renewed. And we don't have time to we, this week, but we're going to be working on that in the weeks to come. And this is our destiny, that we are being what? Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 3. We are being transformed into the same what? Image from one degree of glory to another. See that right there? That even Paul is talking to the church in Corinth. That as this is said at the beginning of Genesis... That you are made in the image of God. That's who you are. That's your destiny. That is your DNA. That's who you are. Now Christ has come to what? Transform you. Now. Into the image of God. That he is doing that work in your life. Hallelujah. If you surrender to him as your Lord. It's hard to grasp this truth. It's going to take the empowerment and the revelation of the Holy Spirit. For us to understand the profound Uh, significance of what this means who we are but I pray that you're willing to pray and do the deep work to ask God show me God who I am in Christ I need to know I need to know my identity I need to know myself I need to celebrate all my weaknesses but I can also celebrate hallelujah all my blessings and gifts that I can use for your kingdom it's not pride it's knowing who we are in Christ You were created as an image-bearer of God. Now, for many, that gets marred. That gets messed up. But that is what you were created for. And God created them Male. male and female. Very clear in His Word. What God believes is our identity. In all of this identity crisis and confusion... In our day. I've nailed it down, I've spelled it out, no further discussion. Amen. 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 There is only one way in knowing our true identity. And it starts right here knowing that we are made in God's image. Therefore, no ordinary people. Did you get that? Every person has value. Every person is important. Even the people that have little regard for the things of God, even those ones who are making it difficult for us now as a church, or for us to be able to do the things, all of those people still have value before God because they too have been made in God's interaction And they're going to live forever. Some are going to live on to salvation And unfortunately, some are going to live on to judgment. That's biblical. But they still been made in the image of God. And they're so valuable to God that He wants us to win them. That they'll spend eternity with Him. But they do have value. Verse 31 says, God saw all that He made, and it was... Not just good, very good. (laughs) Very good. Look at someone and say, you are very good. Now, the way you've been made in his image, I'm not saying you always too good. That's another issue. I want you to take your hands today. This is big on selfies. Come on now, we've seen the other crowd do it. Some of them are really good. I actually, you know, I've seen the beautiful wedding pictures where you take it through the hands and you see the bride and groom walking down the beach together. There's all kinds of things you can do with the hands. Come on now. Some of you won't do it. But some of, you, some of you are doing it as a couple. Very good. Sweet. So there's a heart. Now, those that have made the hearts with their hands, put them up by your face and look through them. They're laughing at me. See, it's like I'm bringing back to Sunday school. Okay, why am I having to do that? Look around and look at people and see them through the heart of love. Maybe look at your spouse. Look at your spouse and see them that way. Maybe look at your kids. Kids, maybe look at your parents that way. Okay, hey, why did I tell you to do that? Every person marred by sin, broken by addictions, whatever they're going through, are God's beloved. They're made in God's image. This is how I need to see people. I need to see people as broken, hurting, but the beloved, there goes God's beloved. Changes my attitude completely towards people when I see them in that way. We are called to love God and to love people. This also sets the stage. This is why this is important. We're bringing this soon to a host. About the sanctity of human life. This is why we had to start here. The sanctity of human life. All human life is valuable before God. Because all of it has been made in the image of God. Those with special needs. Those who are quite elderly. Those who are the unborn. All of them have value. Because they're God's beloved. And they've been made in the image of God. Remember what I said to you when you see everything is just animal world? It's fatalistic? We're coming into a time now where I have noticed that elderly, if they're not needed, they can't produce, they can't do, they can't, so let's just, you know, let's just get rid of the problem. That's that's the day we're coming into. The pro-life here on the island warned me of that even during the pandemic. That pro-life here on the island are not just fighting now, for the unborn, they're also fighting for those with special needs and the elderly because this is what they're afraid of is next coming, and it's already started. Why do we, as a church, value people because God values them, Amen. and every person is valued before God? So this helps us to realize that there is the sanctity of human life, and so this is something that is profound. Every race deserves our dignity. Those from away, those who have come from other countries that are here, every race is important to God. There is no superior race. You know what that got the world into back in the Second World War? No race is superior than the other. No gender is superior than the other. See, there's no place for any of this in the kingdom of God. We're all equally loved by God, valued by God, because we've all been made in His image. Therefore, everyone here today is a bearer of God's image, and you have worth. I'll close with this. And we'll see as we come into the next time about the dust part. But it was written by John Mark Comer. He said, Our defining narrative says that we're made in the image of God, But also we're made from dust. Image and dust. To be made in the image of God means that we are rife with potential. We have a divine capacity in our DNA. We're like God. We're we're created to image His divine divine behavior. To rule like He does. To gather up the raw materials of our planet and reshape them into a world for human beings. To flourish and to thrive. But that's only half the story. We're also made from the dirt. Ashes to ashes. Dust to dust. We're the original biodegradable containers. That's thrilling, isn't it? Which means we're born with limitations. We're not God. We're mortal, not immortal. Finite, not infinite image and dust, potential and limitations. There's a lot of talk right now about reaching your full potential. And I'm all for it. The technicolor version of who you were made to be. But again, that's only half the story. And the next time I preach, we'll deal with the other half of the story. Worship and I invite you to come. Lord, we thank you for this day. There's so much discussion in our world in these days. We struggle, Lord. Some of us have struggled all our lives trying to understand our worth, our dignity, of who we are. Yes, Father. And we talked last time about midlife crisis. that. People think they know who they are, and then all of a sudden something happens in life, or they get to a point in life, and they go through a major crisis. We we think of young people who uh, go through identity crisis, or trying to fit in, or, or or trying for someone to say, look at me, notice me, am I important? And all along, God, you have said, "Yes." Situation that you face and who you are. Thank you, Lord. Lord, help us to celebrate our quirks, <laughs> our struggles, but help us also to celebrate our gifts and our blessings that you have given us because we reflect you. Now, Lord, even as our VDS starts this week and the kids will be coming in and they're going to hear about shine, Jesus, shine. Help us as the church, Lord. We're teaching it to kids. But help us to realize that we have a responsibility to let our light shine in these dark, dark days. And God, I pray that you would give us the eyes to see that everybody walking around in West Prince is your beloved Amen. Yes. and they have value because you value them Amen. they too are made in your image Amen. may we be mindful Lord what is said about them or how we speak to them or what we would do to give them a cold shoulder or how we would judge them for God even as we looked at we are only here because of the grace of God Hallelujah. all of us and I thank you today that that grace abounds There's enough. That's not just this room used up all God's grace. Hallelujah. There's enough grace for everyone. So help us, Lord, on this journey this summer, I pray. I pray there will be theophanies, revelations, awakening of people knowing truly who they are in Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Stand with us.